Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. to the 30 podcast here's your host jazz kang all right welcome to part two of the 30 the sixers go down again that's right one in four after five games uh lots to discuss in in this one going to break it all down with a good friend of mine and a great writer for our site as well mr dave early dave Let's talk about this. Paul and I were discussing this on part one, which we recorded earlier on Wednesday, just about the fact, okay, we expected a slow start from the team, just given the fact that they have so many moving parts. You got Melton, Tucker, Daniel House coming in. So obviously, you know, going to have to work those guys into the rotation and and them getting used to playing with the Hardens and Beads and Maxis of the world. Uh, 119-109 loss to the Raptors. Uh, Toronto was up at halftime uh, by 10. The Sixers really never got close. They cut it down to six uh, with a 12-2 run with about seven minutes to go. And then after that, the Raptors, again, just put them put them at arm's length distance and never let them back in. Uh, when you were watching this game, and again, now down to one and four to start the season, what are your overall thoughts on how bad things have went so far for the Sixers to start the season? Oh, man. It's hard to, where do I begin, man? It's, it's bad. It's, you know, the the thing that was good is that James Harden looks good. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been some debate. We've talked like, does he have his burst back? Does he have his speed? Maybe not, but he's good from the mid range. So that's enough. Um, But the big problem and the huge concern is that they added these defensive players, DeAnthony Melton, PJ Tucker, Daniel House. um, But the defense is just in shambles right now. When we first saw it and we first started to think, oh, they, they were switching everything in the preseason. You remember that. And so that was eye-opening. I was like, yeah. oh, they're really going to try this. Because as you know, uh, Jackson Frank, who writes for us, he did a great job covering P.J. Tucker when he was in Miami and talking about, you know, he was in an ideal scenario there for him. He, he switches everything, which is what he, you know, his bread and butter in Houston with James Harden. And that worked really well in Miami. What's going to happen in Philly when they have him in the type of drop coverage Joel Embiid likes to play? But so we're like, wow, they're going to they're going to really try to switch, and that makes some sense because Joel doesn't need to score thirty this year. He could focus a little bit more on getting out on the perimeter and getting the ball out of a shooter's hands, maybe. But to take on that endeavor, it clearly looks like they didn't have enough time to figure that out in an offseason. And then we learned last Friday that Joel Embiid was on his couch for two months with plantar fasciitis. So whatever amount of practice they got to have, they didn't have Joe out, Joe out there for it. And if it sounds like I'm making excuses for the coaching staff, I'm not, because we could talk about that next. But those are the factors that I think, and that does not really account for this transition defense mayhem. Like, I don't care what new defense you're doing. You can at least get back on D and get the open man. 
Well, I think that's the problem, right? And and you mentioned you mentioned Joel, and we will jump into the coaching staff uh, pretty soon here, Dave. Don't 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 uh, don't worry about that. And for the <laughs> listeners too, we we're going to talk plenty about uh, Doc Rivers and his shortcomings. But Embiid didn't look great, obviously, in in game number one against Boston. Bounced back a little bit against Milwaukee, just in terms of looking better. Uh, had a pretty strong outing, obviously, against the Spurs, the forty points in the loss, and then uh, a pretty easy win against Indy. But he started off great, hit all five of his first shots, had eleven points. Uh, in the first quarter, uh, but again, not looking like the same dominant Joel we're, we're used to seeing in plantar fasciitis. It needs time to heal. He's going to need time to get it better. Like, you know, whatever it is, it's it's just going to take time. But again, he was pretty good in this one. And and the big guns for for the Sixers, well, two of them out of the three were on point. Him and, uh, and beat I'm talking about and Maxi combined for 62 points at 31 each. Uh, Harden, not a great shooting night, 5 of 12, but again, did his job, 18 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, and then they got a whole lot of nothing, right, from, from the rest of the starters. Tobias Harris, the 35, 36, 37 million dollar man, uh, again, at, at 20 million dollars, nobody complains about Tobias, and we can, beating a dead horse at this point, talking about it, that he's not worth his contract, but you need more from him than 1 of 6 and, and just 3 points. Uh, DeAnthony Melton had, had a good night off the bench, he had 12 but you see Niang, Daniel House combining to go two of seven. Uh, they just had six points of, you know, off the bench. There, there's a lot of things that are going wrong, Dave, in, in my opinion, because talking about this going into the season, and I've said this from the start, which is give it some time. They might start off four and six. They might start off three and seven. They're not going to be that great. To, it's going to take them time to gel. And obviously, like you mentioned, that you have factors like Joel being uh, basically on the couch for a couple of months, and now he's going to have to play himself into game shape where, okay, we kind of expected them to get off to a slow start playing Boston-Milwaukee in your first two games. Not an easy task for any team in the NBA playing two no. of the elite squads, not just in the East, but in, in the entire league. Yeah. But looking at this, like, I, I didn't expect it to look like this. And and here, here's my problem. And again, I, I said this earlier in part one with Paul. I'm not going to act like, oh my God, the Sixers are done. You know, they're going, they're going to be in the Wembenyama no. sweepstakes, even though they're not, because Brooklyn has, has Philly's pick, but um, so they, they shipped it to Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the Jazz could be, you know, getting getting something out of it too. But you're you're looking at this like they could. It's not that it's going to be that bad. But to me, the issue is the effort, right? And, and I said this actually over over the off season is I'm not really looking for them to come out and be guns a blazing, start off nine and one, and you know take the league by storm and and just be the number one seed like we saw the Suns do last year throughout the regular season. But I said I wanted to look like they they're cohesive, they're playing with energy, and they're playing with intensity. And we haven't seen that, right? Like, I mean, even that San Antonio game, again, that's gonna happen over an 82 game schedule. But it's the way they've looked, how they're losing. Like this game against the Raptors, again, a Raptor squad that likely is going to be in the playoffs. I, I have them in the top six in the East, even though the East is completely loaded. But again, there was just no effort, right? And, and you're looking around at this. The Sixers shot 50% in the first half, and we're still down by 10 because, like you mentioned, the transition points, they're getting killed uh, off of misses. They're getting killed off of turnovers. The, the Sixers had six turnovers in the, in the first half. Raptors had none. Uh, that ended up being a little bit closer by, by the end of the game where Philly finished with 13, Toronto had nine. But looking at this from the perspective of effort right and you're talking you're talking about this too. even defensively the amount of times i saw the raptors taking a, an, a field goal attempt with nobody within like three feet of the guy not a hand up nothing it's just been too easy so when you're looking at this what do you attribute the lack of effort the lack of and i'm using all these cliches but execution like not figuring out what do you attribute this to so far and again i'm not going to act like 
oh my God, the season's over. They're terrible. This team is going to be in the playoffs, right? They're good enough to get there. But so far, what do you attribute that to in your opinion? Some of these plays, I, I agree with you. Like the effort isn't there. Like, for example, we saw them trot out some zone. I think it was in the second quarter. Yeah. And it just looked like the three who were low, none of them had any idea that they might have to box out once the ball goes up. So it's like, did they work on this zone? And if they did, did they not talk about, you know, like, cause it's not exactly the same, you know, to box out your man when you're playing man, but if you're in an area, maybe it just requires the next level of communication. You see the six are sort of just, no one even seems to have thought that maybe I should box out and the guy just gets a bunny. Not that this was, you know, an offensive rebound, second chance points type of game, but there was just these moments where I'm like, okay, they were confused. So Joel, Joe's man is a big and he's setting a screen and Joe sometimes comes out to switch to take away the shot and other times he doesn't. And you just get the sense that these guys are not sure where to be yet. They're not sure what to do. You see a lot of wild, like, I think, they started the game and no one was covering Gary Trent Jr. for like the first couple of possessions. And I'm like, wait, no one knows they have. Him. And he, <laughs> yeah. he had a wide open three and he missed it. And then he got a layup and transition. And they were like, all right, I'll check him. So it just seems like they're confused. Maybe they're, they're getting used to a new strategy that they just haven't been able to practice as a unit. Um, I mean, we, we, have joked. I know you were frustrated. We, you joked about it a little bit before we jumped on the air. Um, it just seems like it's a combination of effort and confusion. I don't really know else how to say it. No, you're right. And, and again, you're looking at it and there was times there was, there's that one possession where uh, late in the fourth quarter, Harden has the ball in his hand, the shot clock's running out. Uh, Melton slips by Siakam and basically if Harden would have saw him again, tough, tough to say at that time because mm. he was being defended but Melton slips to the, the hoop. If Harden would have saw him likely would have had, it would have been late in the shot clock would have been able to get a layup out of it. But uh, Harden ends up getting the ball stolen. The Raptors come down and it's like, everybody's walking back. You know what I mean? Like nobody's yeah. even, nobody's even trying resulted in an easy layup for the Raptors. And again, it's not like you're saying this at game 60 where it's like, they've given up on the coach. I don't want to say that yet, but looking at it, it's like, like you're, like you're saying it's confusion and it's also a lack of effort. And there's one place you can blame, put that blame, and that's on the coach, right? At this point, and again, right. I'm not one of those guys who said, you're like, fire Doc right away, fire Doc right away. I'm saying if this continues, if this happens for another five, six, seven games, because, and I tweeted this out during the game as well, one in six at this point is, is pretty damn realistic, right? They, they lose to Toronto on Friday. They got to go play Chicago on Saturday on, on the second night of a back-to-back, which is never easy. And then, yeah, you got a couple of, of, of gimmies against Washington, which, which they should beat. They're a better team than the Wizards, although, again, they have Bradley Beal, uh, obviously a good player. The Wizards off to, to a three-and-one start. But again, one and six is realistic. I don't think that Daryl Morey and anybody else is going to be able to sit there and say, yeah, yeah, no, this, this is fine. We're, we, we expected this because looking at how talented this team is and, and you bought in all these guys, the big complaint we've had, last year, Dave, when covering the team was, okay, they don't have, they just don't have like, even like good level NBA players coming off the bench, right? Like George, <laughs> George Niang is what he is, right? And he's a solid player, likely on a championship, maybe on a championship squad, maybe an eighth or ninth man, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, on, on that type of roster. But then we were seeing Furkan Korkmaz come in, uh, Matisse Thybul, who didn't step on the court, Shake Milton. These guys were playing prominent minutes last year where, again, on a championship-level team, those guys are probably 9, 10, 11, right? Or 10, 11, and 12. But uh, we 
harped on that all offseason after the Sixers got eliminated by the Heat. We said they got to get some legitimate talent. And okay, James Harden does his part, takes $15 million less. They get P.J. Tucker. They get Melton, who's Melton's been very good. Daniel House has been what he is. So it's like there's no excuses anymore, right? you got the horses here. Why aren't they able to make it work? Um, I know I'm ranting a bit here, Dave. I want to take a short break, though. We're going to come back and talk about the coaching staff because that is going to be the topic in Philly surrounding the Sixers uh, over the next few days as well. Uh, so we'll do that coming up in about a minute. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Dave, we were talking there uh, just a little bit about the, the fact that the the Sixers have the depth now. They have the 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 dogs, right? We talked about them getting those guys throughout the offseason. How long of a leash do you think Doc has at this point? Let's just say they're at one and six, right? And then they got those those back-to-back games against the Wizards. Then they got the Knicks on Friday, November 4th. Then you got Phoenix at home. Phoenix, obviously, a, a very good team. A back-to-back against Atlanta, Utah, and then Milwaukee, Minnesota, Brooklyn, Charlotte, back-to-back in Orlando. So again, the schedule does get a little bit better towards the end of the month. But when you're looking at this, like if you're in Daryl Morey's shoes, when when is enough enough for you if uh, if this continues for the Sixers? I mean, I was at enough and enough. I, I you know, you're a West Coast guy, like you know how Clippers fans felt about him at the end there. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought when the Sixers were deciding between D'Antoni and Lou, that was great that they pivoted to Doc was a, a weird surprise. Um, the the two buzzwords at the time were like adjustments and accountability. And then they hired doc. And I was like, wait, that's why he just got canned, man. Um, So I I've been done. So when I hear all this, like fire doc stuff, I'm just kind of like hiding in the crowd, throwing my voice. Like, yeah, let's, let's dial up, (laughs) let's dial up the coaching heat because I've already been on this train. Uh, Paul Hudrick pointed out in our Slack, the, the fan stuff is going to grow if they keep losing because you've got the Phillies in the world series. You've got the Eagles who look like a juggernaut. And then you're going to have the Sixers who can't even pick up a man in transition. It's not a good look. The question about that you originally asked, like how long is his leash? You just don't know because at times this ownership group has had like this 
iron stomach, like for the process. And then something happens and they pivot and they're like, all right, we can't handle anymore. So I don't know, maybe if the radios are just lit with fire dock, uh, things would change. If I were Daryl Morey, I would be conflicted because Doc was probably never my first choice. You know, he's he's never been a huge willing proponent of to use analytics in his game plans. He's kind of went away from that. Um, so it was always a rocky marriage. And then you have to factor in that Daryl might not be here if Doc hadn't signed off on it. Doc, Doc got hired first. And yeah. Daryl's looking for this job in the middle of his whole like you know, Hong Kong scandal. And so he got a dream job here and he needed Elton brand needed to get everyone on board. He got doc on board. So is he look, is he itching to get rid of doc under those circumstances? Maybe he's not, maybe he's not at all. Maybe he said like from the start, Oh, Hey, you got three years at least or something like that. Who knows? Um, but if it were me and I could do whatever I want, I would be making phone calls to Mike D'Antoni because he's done it with some of these key players already. And he's out there. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? And D'Antoni has had his, his shortcomings, obviously had those, those seven seconds or less Suns team that couldn't get by the Spurs and, and win a championship came up short against the Lakers in, in 2010 as well. And then obviously had that run with the, with the Rockets where Harden was, was at his complete best uh, dominant, right? One, one MVP, the Rockets were, were fun to watch, but again, just couldn't get over that hump. So he would come with his shortcomings as well, but I also think he'd be a little bit more modern in his approach to the game, right, Dave? And, and, and I get you too. Hey, if, if, but I also look at it like if Daryl Morey was put in a position like, Hey man, you better decide, right? Like if, if the same thing you covered the nets last year for, for clutch points. And you're looking at that, like, okay, if Sean Marks was told by Joe Sai, Hey, you got to make like, he's not going to go down with the ship. He's going to say, all right, sorry, Steve Nash, you, you got to go. I'm going to save right. myself a job. And, and I think that's the same thing that'll happen here with, with Daryl Morey because Daryl Morey's job is to win a championship, right? This isn't. And I mentioned this earlier with, with Paul in part one, that, you know, this isn't the Memphis Grizzlies where it was, uh, they got John Morant, Desmond Bain, they got all these young, young cats, Jaron Jackson Jr., where it's like, okay, hey, let's try and improve each year. Uh, Jaw doesn't get hurt last year. Maybe, maybe the Grizzlies are, are, are in the finals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. who, who knows? Uh, but again, Absolutely, for the Grizzlies yeah. to get to the conference final this year, you're going to say that's a great season. For the Sixers to make it to the conference final, be the first time in 21 years, people would be happy, but it wouldn't be like, wow, that was a su successful season because this is a young and up-and-coming up team. This team's built to win now. And so when the coach doesn't seem like he's on the same page as the players, and we're seeing that, we're just seeing that too much with uh, throughout these games. And again, I don't want to sound like one of these doomsday people who's like, oh, they're one and four. You know, this is it. They're a shitty team. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is something doesn't look right. Right. You lose to Boston, Milwaukee. Uh, the Sixers were very good in the first half of the opener against Boston last week. That second half, things got away from them. Uh, Jason Tatum looked great. That Milwaukee game, it was an ugly defensive battle. Again, kept it neck and neck with, with Giannis and co. So you can forgive them. The San Antonio loss, inexcusable, especially coming <laughs> off, right? Especially Seriously. coming off two losses, right? Coming off, and then the, the Pacers game. Well, the Pacers kind of suck. We know they're going to be there at the bottom of the standings, but you got to win. And then again, even if they lost to the Raptors in a four-point game, five-point game, six-point six game, uh, that you looked at and said, well, at least they're improving. They're playing better. 
you would kind of give Doc the benefit of the doubt. And given the history, given the last couple of years where the lack of adjustments, the stubbornness with the rotations, uh, playing Montrez Harrell, uh, a traditional kind of center, he's, he's not huge, but he doesn't play this, you know, the the new modern day five like Paul Reed does, which is he can go out on the perimeter and, and you're not worried about switching. He can kind of run around on the outside and on offensively and be able to kind of dive to the hoop and, and get some offensive rebounds. Harold's a guy who's going to stay stuck, you know, closer to the hoop, closer to the stuck to the ground, doesn't really play above the rim. And so, again, we're seeing Doc stick with these same things we saw with DeAndre Jordan last year. So when you're looking at this now and, and you know, I wanted for how much blame do you put on the coaching staff for the slow start? Because to me, Harden's doing his job. He's looked really good. Uh, again, never going to be mistaken to be a Michael Jordan type defender, but I mean, still very good at, at what he does. Maxie's come on the last couple of games and we know Joel, like you mentioned, dealt with the foot problems, but he's starting to look like himself too. So it's not like these guys are playing below their, the level they're accustomed to, but they're not getting anything out of the rest of the team. So when you look at it, how much blame do you put on doc for the one and four start? This is hard for me because I'd love to see doc. I'd love to see them make a change at the coach. But if I'm being completely honest with you, completely objective, I'm not putting t- too much of it on his doorstep because okay. while I do not think he's a good coach, and I think a lot of what we're seeing is problematic and it wouldn't be with a good coach. For example, you just swapped him out with, you know, someone we wouldn't say is the best, but ab- obviously a good coach like Mike Budenholzer, for example. Um, I think a lot of these issues that we're seeing wouldn't be the case. For example, he knows instinctively that. Bobby Portis fits better with Giannis than a guy like Montrez Harrell. So he wouldn't be doing things like that at the same time. Like if Joel came into the year, either not healthy or out of shape, that's a huge loss. And if you were trying a switch, everything defense, you have to guess. I mean, Steph Curry said it the other night to the Manning brothers, the best man, man defense he faced was the switch everything 2018 Rockets. So you have to think some of this decision, bringing in Tucker, bringing in house, and suddenly we see them switch everything. You have to think Daryl had a pretty big say in that decision. And it makes sense that it would take them a few weeks to ramp that up. And that has that could explain like 12 points a game we're seeing on complete lapses where the guy just didn't know because they didn't have a chance to work on it. Joel, Joel wasn't even there with them. So if I'm creating Doc's defense, I have plenty to work with. I just don't feel like making it because I can't imagine they could not do better if they did make a change. Well, you're going to be one of the few guys who are going to come to Doc's defense, Dave. I will, <laughs> I will say that at this point. Fire Doc, by the way, is trending uh, right now on on Twitter as we're recording this. Good, uh, good. <laughs> as well. But um, no, they could, know, they could upgrade at the coach, and it would help them if they make a Final Four. No, you're right, and and I think that's what you you have to look at. And again, this isn't no disrespect to to Doc Rivers, the person. He, he's a, a very nice man. Uh, always, oh yeah, always great with the always great with the with the media. I've seen him do a lot, even with with kids and and reaching out in terms of uh, college kids coming out. They always try and make sure he's he's talking to them and and he engages. And again, a, a very good person, but maybe not the best coach for this team right now. They will wrap up wrap up on this after another again frustrating loss. For the Sixers, I mentioned one and six, not looking like it's completely out of play at this point. But how long do you think Daryl Morey is going to give Doc at this point? Let's just say this struggles and this the team continues to struggle. And I've said this before too. I said it earlier on part one. I said, okay, 10 games, you're okay. 20 games, you're sitting at eight and 12, seven and 13. Something has to give. But so in your opinion, how long do you, do you think Daryl Morey will sit around and wait if, and again, this is a big if too, if things continue to be the way they are? I guess... 
I guess if they just keep losing, like if they rattled off a five game losing streak, you'd have to think it could come at any moment. Um, okay. Give me, give me a couple like records and I'll tell you if he'd, he'd be fired or not. Oh, like eight and 12, uh, 12, even, even 12 and 12, let's say or, or 12 and 13, 13 and 12. Like, do you, do you see any, any hope for him to, to keep his job at that point? I, I would think so. I would think if you made the decision to stick with him after last year's, you know, DeAndre Jordan stuff and just seeing that he's just going to do what he wants to do, regardless of whether or not it's an abysmal decision, you may not have a lot of control over that. For example, if you give him a guy like Trez, he's going to play him no matter how it looks. Mm-hmm. Even if Steph Curry comes to town, even if Chris Paul and Devin Booker are running circles around him because he's not the best pick and roll player, he's going to play his guy. And so if you, if you make that decision, you know all that, you still see it. What's 12 and 12? You've already... You've already decided to go down this road, but if they just kept losing and they were like, you know, eight and 14, maybe you do. I, I don't know how confident they are in the guys behind him. I don't know how confident fans should be. I've seen some support for Sam Cassell, but mm-hmm. I know he's not a huge proponent vocally of analytics. He said like, I love the mid range game. It worked for us in Houston when I was a player. Yeah. It was 27 years ago, Sam. Sorry about that. But yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. So as far as we know, everyone on that bench, has been supporting or even suggesting many of the things we've hated. I don't know that they're going to be the answer. If Daryl Morey feels differently, then that would increase the chances that he makes a change uh, in the next like three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Uh, and again, you have to look at what, what the options are. I've said Sam Cassell has, has gotten some hype from national media as well as a guy who might be ready to take the next step in his career. They obviously have Dave Yeager uh, behind him as well. Another guy who has uh, a guy who actually has head coaching experience. Uh, who might get the opportunity. But again, I, I, I don't want to sound like, oh my God, the season's over and flush it down the toilet. But I mean, no, at I this know. point, it's it's just the way they've been losing and how they've lost and what the games have been like to me has been the concerning point. But uh, let's wrap things up here, Dave. So you, so you disagree with me ultimately. You would put a lot of it on the coaching staff, basically. At this point, at this point I would. I had one in four. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, uh, again, I, I don't want to... It's five games, right? You're not going to act like... Uh, uh, they're completely no, no. done. My, my concern is, is this though, Dave, in, in, in the bigger picture, and I'll tell you here like, again, before we wrap things up, um, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, these teams, we expect to be at the top of, of the conference come time for, for April. You don't want to give them seven or eight games, uh, a cushion, right? Because no. again, you're going into it a home court advantage when, when we look at the Sixers and think about potentially what they can be, right? Just given their their talent level, given the guys that they have on the roster, and given the fact that this is, by all intents and purposes, a championship-ready squad. Those little things are going to make a difference, right? Playing at home in a Game 7. Um, you know what I mean? Having the first couple at, at home, maybe not having to travel after winning a series in the playoffs. So you don't want to give the Milwaukee's, the Boston's, the Cleveland's a three, four, five, six-game lead on you because it'd be tough to make it up. Those teams are very, very good. So that's where I'm looking at it. Uh, I Again, I, I disagree with you in the sense that, yeah, th- this is on the coaching staff. Sure, there, there's factors at play um, in terms of Joel not being ready and maybe not getting the the total amount of time that you would have liked to practice together, but at the same time, how disorganized they've looked, the lack of imagination on offense. That's, that's another, that's coaching, right? That's nothing to do with the players. you got the guys. Why are you able to maximize them? And, and I said this earlier too, it's like, you're, you're running an offense where, and you'll notice this Dave, when you're watching the game, Joel gets the ball in the post. Nobody's moving. There's no weak side action. There's no screen. There's so no cuts. The final play against Milwaukee is still keeping me up at night. If, if Joel's yeah. playing the way he was, turning it over, and Harden is absolutely cooking, you dial it up for Joe? Yeah. Why? 
right? There's no context to that decision. No, and yeah. and that's what I mean. There's and so to me, it's it's the little things that are starting to add up to become big things, right? And yeah. I, so that's where I'm at right now. I'm not again. I didn't expect the Sixers to be five and zero. Oh. I think maybe realistically right now, three and two or even two and three at this point, you'd give them a pass, right? But at the fact that they've won one game against a Pacers squad that stinks. They should have been a beat a beaten a, a Spurs team that sucks as well. That's going to be at the bottom of, even though they're three and one now, sure. Uh, they're going to be at the bottom of the standings because they just don't have the horses. So to me coming off those two losses, it's coaching. And, and so again, five games in, you're not going to sit here and, and press the panic button, but we get to game 10, you get to game 15, you get to game 20 and this continues. They're going to have to pull the trigger. Otherwise this is just going to be virtually a lost season in the minds of, of not only the players, the, the fans as well. Yeah, as I can see you win. Thank you. I'm, Thank I'm you. banging the gavel on this one. <laughs> that wasn't my point, Dave. It's, it's a podcast. It's supposed to be a spirited uh, debate back and forth. No, no, this is a, this I, was I the first take and you won. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you conceding. But Dave, uh, I know you do a ton of podcasts on the network, uh, usually usually with the deal on Mondays, and you do a lot with Sean on Friday. So I want to thank you for, for helping us out. Hopping on today, Jackson Frank busy had had his had his hands tied. He's doing some more NBA coverage, so uh, thanks for hopping on on uh, on short notice. And it's actually always always fun debating and talking with you too. Awesome, thanks. All right, that's uh, Dave Early. You can catch his work, of course, at Liberty Ballers. Uh, does a lot of great stuff in terms of writing about the Sixers. You can also follow him on Twitter at David Early. That'll do it for this episode of the Thirty uh, Part One. Like I mentioned up earlier, we recorded with uh, Paul Hudrick, kind of wrapping up the first week of the Sixer season. Uh, so don't forget to check that out as well. The Gastro Crew will be back on Thursday, and then Sean will be back in the hot seat on Friday. Always appreciate a subscription to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, as I mentioned, check us out for all our written content as well at libertyballers.com.